All right. By the way, I wasn't nervous till about two hours ago, and I got a little bit nervous, and uh, getting there ready to get up here made me a little bit nervous, but I'm going to work through it. Um, this is my second time I've done this, so bear with me. I first want to pray, and then we can get started and hopefully get through everything I want to talk about. I think I might have too much stuff in this time, but uh, been praying a lot about it this week, so hopefully you guys will get something out of it. If you would, bow your heads. Let me pray again. We'll get started. Father God, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us your word, giving it to us as our direction in our life, Lord, and for guidance for each of us uh, while we're here on earth, Lord. We thank you for that. Help us, Lord, to stay in the Word and help us to retain your Word in our hearts, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for uh, being our firm foundation that we can build our strong lives on. And thank you, Father, for delivering us from our sin and by doing it, by giving us life through Jesus, through his death, and then, of course, especially through his resurrection. We thank you for that, Father. And, Lord, I thank you for always touching my heart in such a way that I can uh, take advantage of the power that is living in me um, to help me past, uh, move past my self-imposed limitations that I have in this world. And, Lord, thank you for helping me prepare for today and showing me again that when I focus on you alone, there are no limits on what I can do for you and your service. Lord, I thank you for uh, giving me just that want to be attracted to you, especially in this last couple of weeks, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the word. And, Father, as we talk about you this morning and as we share your word, I pray that it's all about you and that it's not about anything but you, Lord, and it, it takes us away from here, Father, and gives us guidance through the rest of this week. And, Father, may we feel your presence this morning in a big way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so this morning we're going to be talking about limitations, right? Specifically, are we limiting God? Let me start that. And what are limitations when we follow Jesus? Are there limitations? And what limits us from doing real life with Christ? That's what I want to talk about a little bit today. But first, I want to talk about personal and physical limitations that uh, I think all of us have. And for most of us, those physical limitations, we have zero chance to ever get past those. What I'm talking about, some examples of that is how high you can jump, right, or how long you can hold your breath, or how tall you're going to be, or how fast you can run. Those are limitations. Those are physical limitations. These, limits, th these are limits that are more physical, right? And for some of us, we can get better at doing some of them, but for most of us, it's not going to happen. You know, it's like me. I'm five foot ten. I'm probably never going to, well, I know I'm never going to stuff the basketball and I'm probably never going to be a professional basketball player. It's just not going to happen, right? And then the other part of that is for some of us, when we try to get past our physical limitations, it doesn't go well. And things happen that are bad. I want to give you guys a quick story about how I did not step my, stop myself from doing something that I probably shouldn't have been doing because I decided to go past what my physical limitations were. You know, the dumb thing is, is I knew better, especially because I knew what I was trying to do, I was not physically strong enough to do it. And uh, so I'll tell you this, back in the 80s, along with my brother Mark, we were tower climbers and we worked on towers of all kinds, right? And uh, we were working in California at the time. So back in December of 1989, we were in California. Um, we were working that day, we were called to a cell site in a place called Granada Hills. It's uh, about two hours outside of LA. And we were there to remove antennas off of a 150-foot monopole. That's what that is. Okay, that's not the one, but that's an example. That's actually at New River. 
and that's a monopole. Some people call them towers because it's a single pole, but that's what we were working on. We were working on 150 footer at that time. And so these type of towers, especially back then, they were set up, you rode them up and down. You didn't climb them. You had, it had a winch, a winch system that they had. And we did it this way because back then the client removed the climbing pegs for security reasons. So at this particular tower monopole that we went to, which wasn't this one, but it was another one, um, we couldn't use that winch system because the existing tower equipment that goes with it, which is already there, was faulty. So to do our job for that day, and because we were so far away from the shop, someone had to free climb this tower to rig it. And we did that by using what they had, this loose steel cable that went from the bottom of the pole up to the top of the pole. You usually had a safety device that you could clip onto it that you would use to make sure you didn't fall. They didn't have that at this time, so someone had to climb it, and we called that at that we called that doing the Batman walk. The steel cable was loose, so you basically were horizontal with the pole, and you walked up. Well, um, we were also young and dumb at that time, so I just want to set that up for this. So I got the bright idea that I could free climb this tower, right? Up, and I had to go up to the 50-foot spot to rig it with a block, which I put a little picture right there so you guys know what a block is. You hang that from a tower, you want to rope through it. It allows you to go up and down on it. So someone had to go up and, and rig it. I said, I'll do it, but you got to remember I'm dumb. I shouldn't have done it. And the reason is, is see my hands? They're small. See my wrists? They're small. God didn't make me to be that type of person. I'm not like a rock climber that has strong hands. I'm just not built for it. And I knew that, but I still went with my physical limitations, and I went ahead and did it anyway. And I made it up the first time. got it rigged, and then I had to come down, and I did that mostly safe. But I did slip, and I slipped about 10 feet, but I caught my foot on what was, uh, I don't know, this little protruding piece of equipment that was on there. It actually stopped me, so I got down. And even though it wasn't easy the first time, and I know, and knew that I barely made it down the first time, I still was not you know, saying, no, I won't go up again. So at the end of the day, someone had to go back again and remove it, and I went ahead and did it again. But this time, right when I got up at the 50-foot mark, I slipped, and I fell, and I fell all the way down. Well, you guys know I lived, right? But uh, I spent the next two and a half years learning to walk again, and it really changed my life. I have a, a permanent handicap now, and uh, the whole thing happened because I didn't accept my physical limitations. So um, I believe that you guys can relate to that. Maybe not that drastic, but you've done things in your life. I wish Rob was here. He could probably tell you. Steve, especially if you're in the construction world, there's things we do on ladders and certain things we don't do that um, we don't embrace our physical limitations or the dumb things that we shouldn't do. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about this morning. I just wanted to get, get that out there because that's different. What we're talking about this morning is limiting God by allowing him, by not allowing him to do a good work in us, to not trusting in his promises. And what I'm talking about is resisting him and not giving in to the power of Christ that lives in us. We all have that when we become saved. We all have that when we start walking with Christ. And what we're doing is I'm talking about not allowing God to remove those limitations for us, not stepping up for Christ. If we trust God, good things will happen for God's kingdom, right? If you read John 14, 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. That's awesome, right? And the end of that is because he says he's going to the Father. So he's leaving us here. But he's also, you guys know, he's with us. Remember that. I'm going to use that word a lot today, with Christ. I like that word. 
It came from uh, Scott uh, uh, Schwarzentrooper. He was the one that used it when he was having a discussion with me. We have a tendency to think that we go and do for Christ or we're going to go do this. No, we are with Christ. So it's, it's very important to remember that. So if you're willing to step up, I promise you God will remove the self-imposed limitations that we have. And he'll give us boldness that allows us to go past any limitations we may have that would hinder us from doing life with, that, with Christ. So, and I believe most of us here would say that we all have a tendency to embrace our own self-imposed limitations. And I think we do that sometimes because we can use it as a crutch or as an excuse that stops us from walking with Christ, with doing life with Christ. I believe that when we do this, we're missing out on so much. And I know this because I've done it myself, right? I've done things like not speaking up for Christ when I should because I put limitations on what God can do through me, right? And one of the things that changed me in that way and changed me in the way I looked at that is watching my wife. My wife, my beautiful bride right here, she's removed a lot of those self-imposed limitations, and I saw the awesomeness that came from her after she changed. I saw the new joy she gets because she has chosen not to miss an opportunity to do life with Christ. She walk up to anybody. I've seen her doing it, and she... Did it when we were in Africa. She does it very strongly. It helped change me. The other side of that is not putting limitation on what comes out of our mouths, right? I can relate to this in a big way. I should have kept it shut, but I didn't, and usually the outcome is hurting others. And that's usually because I'm weak and i got a sinful nature, which is deficiency that we believe we all have, right? We just simply are not believing and trusting in what God will do for us. We turn around and we run scared. We walk away from what is the need that's in front of us. We have a tendency to just turn and say, I don't see it. And that's because I believe we're running scared. We don't trust that God will do what he can do. So I ask you, why are you afraid? Why don't you trust? Why don't you trust what God promises? If you read his word, and part of this is to talk, we'll talk a lot about it's important to be in the Word. I think it's, it, it makes a big difference. In Joshua 1.9, I read this. I loved it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened and don't be dismayed. Now, here's the big part. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. With you wherever you go. That's the huge thing. Again, God has promised to be with us if we just allow him to. And it's all about trust, right? You just got to trust. So, I've gone both ways when I've done this in my walk. I've seen the lack of good results from allowing my own self-imposed limitations to cause me and allowed me to be ineffective for Christ. And I've seen the other side of that big time when great things happen because I gave myself over to God. And usually, which is really cool, when I did that, man, when I gave in, it was all my self-imposed limited were gone away. And it was huge now. Great things happen. And I promise you, if you do that, you will find out that what's, what you think is wrong in front of you, what you think is bad, what you think that person you shouldn't approach, you will get something good out of that. You just got to take that step forward. You, uh, I'm telling you, you just can't believe the awesome feelings, I can't even describe it, that you feel when you let go and let God. And, you know, I learned this, again, by seeing the change in my wife when she started doing mission work. And she did mission work for uh, before I did she went to Africa before I ever did and uh, it was interesting to see when she came home because it was like she quit fighting God she just simply said yes to him I'm telling you it was something different and it changed me in a little bit because I'm like I got to get that I want to see that she came back the teenagers that came back with her there was a lot of change in that and it was a good thing it was a glow that I had never seen before so 
as soon as I stopped fighting and said yes to God, and I said, I'll trust you, Lord, man, it was always good. I just had to do that. I just had to say yes. And so, let me get on that fourth slide. So in Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with righteous right hand. Those are things you can cling to. This is part I was talking about, about putting the word in here. Get the word in here. These things just come automatically. You run into a situation. There's something in the Bible, and not just something. This is just one verse. I mean, I could say... Google how many fear knots in the Bible, and it'll come. It'll be you just be amazed how much the Bible will tell you and direct you in the right way. So again, it's trust. It's all about trust. So going back to what happened in Africa, here's what happened to me when I said no to trusting God, and then I'll tell you what happened to me when I said yes. And for me, my change came when I went to Burundi, Africa. It was many years ago, and uh, I went on that mission trip. It changed me in a big way. Um, it was funny how I could go from living myself because of not trusting to being blown away how quickly it could change now. And then all of a sudden, no limitations in what God was doing through me in that wish, mission work with Christ. It was an awesome feeling. It was something different. But let me go back to the year before. The year before, I went to Rwanda first time. My wife had gone the year before, and then we, then we went again the next year to Rwanda. And you know what? It was my first time there. It was wasted. It was, I was hiding the whole time. I wouldn't allow myself to get past my fears. I would just would not let go. I just would not let the Holy Spirit do anything in me. I chose to walk away. I allowed the enemy to win and take control. It, it, the enemy took control of my head and my heart. I was useless to Christ. I wasted God's time. I wasted my time. I wasted the money that it took to get there. And I especially, and this is important, I especially failed those I was sent to reach out to that did not know Christ, because that's why we were there, to help plant churches and just witness and talk to other people. Um, it, was, it was a waste of my time. But, <laughs> but for some reason, God gave me a desire to go back, and I went back the next year, and that's when I went to Burundi. I did not go with my wife. Instead of doing an eight-day, I committed to a 30-day. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this. So I went second time, and of course, when I went back, I was useless for the first three days. Again, I just, I just, I was hiding. I wouldn't do anything. I was scared the whole time. My pastor at that time was with me. He even thought it was weird because I wasn't eating, especially in the morning. I'm a morning eater, but it's just I was just allowing myself to fight any chance of doing anything for Christ. I did that for about three days. Finally, I was in my room by myself. I just sat down and I cried and cried and. Well, who was I just, someone I was just talking to about, as men, man, which it's weird how we're not really built for crying, and sometimes it uh, comes out strange. I remember hearing myself cry because I hadn't cried in a long time, going, wow, it was weird, and it actually made me cry more, and I just cried, cried, and cried. And then finally I just stopped, and I was crying now out to Christ, and I was just, I'm done fighting, Lord. And uh, I said, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm giving it over to you. I'm done. I remember falling on my face. I remember praying in the middle of the night, and I remember everything changing. Boom, just like completely changed. 27 days later, I now don't want to go home. I wanted to stay. I wanted to, I, in fact, I thought, you know what? I could do this the rest of my life. I remember thinking all I have to do is just go back and get my wife. We'll come right back. I'm telling you, the overwhelming euphoric feelings that came from doing mission with Christ was so strong, I just didn't want it to end. I know it's hard to describe, and you have to experience it yourself. 
But what's important here is you don't have to go do mission to do that. You can do that just in your day-to-day -day experiences. Do something for God. Do something with God, and there will be a reward for you. The next time you see someone on the side of the road, instead of giving them a dollar, step out and talk to them. Walk over to them. The dollar's not going to do them any good. But talking to them, being there in that moment for them. When you're walking up to somebody and you don't know who they are, pray. God will give you the words. I promise you. You just have to trust. And you will get to experience that euphoric feeling because uh, people that have done mission work, people that have done stuff for Christ, I get it just doing the Sunday social, you know, working up to that, getting that, getting that ready, and then afterwards that it's just a good feeling in it because you're doing life with Christ. Now, you got to be careful because a lot of times you get done mission and then the next day you're angry about everything. A lot of that is just the enemy coming after you. But it's a great feeling. I promise you guys, if you step out, you'll do that. So when we stop limiting God, you'll hear me now, it's his authority becomes our authority, and we are now with him. And there may be times when God will graciously open your eyes, your heart, without you pursuing him. But most of the time, we need to keep on reaffirming it by prayer, by studying his word, by fellowshipping, right? My brother Mark, he always said this. Um, he was like one of my first links in my uh, chain. He never witnessed to me, but he would share with me a lot. And he, he liked to talk about the Bible. He would say, God makes it simple, we make it hard. And if you read the Bible, it's very simply written to anybody and it's basically telling you the whole same thing the whole time. It's all about Christ. So it's important that uh, you study and you stay in it. So God's word says it, and we believe it, and that settles it. I don't know where I read that, but I remembered it, and it's totally true, right? If you believe in what God says, then we believe what he says, and that settles it. There's no argument. And so if you're reading the Bible, I don't know how many times it tells you in there to go and do and that's important here. So self-imposed limitations hurts us and stops us from doing great things for God, right? When I think I can't do something because I limit myself in my fear, man, I'm missing out on the good times. And I'm telling you, working for God, doing things for Christ, working with Christ, being out there, just in your day-to-day, -day, the way you deal with your kids, it's better than anything you can ever come across. It's better than any of the best parties you ever went to, vacations you ever been to, even better than getting a raise. I'll say it again. When we stop limiting God, great things happen. That pleases God. And when you're pleasing God, I promise you, internally, you're calmer, you're more relaxed, you can handle anything out there. It's just an easier way to go through life, right? So here's the cool thing. When you stop limiting God, here's the cool part. It'll send a strong message to others. You know why? Because it'll be something they want. And you know why? Because it'll be obvious that it ain't you. It will. It'll be, it'll, somebody will go, that's just not you. I know you. It's not coming from you. And what it does, it shows the world that only through Christ can it be done. Does that make sense? Cool. So when I step up, don't allow my fears to limit me. I can do anything and all things through him who strengthens me. You know, I've experienced it personally. I've also noticed that when I do allow God to work through me, I, almost all my self-imposed limitations go away. I'm much more at ease, and my day-to-day -day living is just it, it, easier to do. It's very comforting to let go and let God. It's very hard to do it, but once you do it, it's very comforting. I know because I fight it too. In John, four, uh, John, 1 John 4, 13 through 16, this is how we know that we live in him and him in us. He has given us his spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. As, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. I love that. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. That's cool. So you may be doing okay just going through life, and you may never get past your self-imposed limitations, and your life probably will be okay, but it'll be a lot less than it can be if you uh, just let go and let God. And if you do, you get to feel the awesome highs you get when you're doing life with Christ, right? But there's another thing you can do. Allow God to use you to glorify him. And I would ask you to do this. When you're praying, ask God this. What's holding you personally back from doing life with Christ? You ask him that, and you may not like the answer, but he's going to answer you. If you're willing to reach out to Christ and ask and pray about, what do you want me to be doing? What do you want? He will tell you. And then the only thing that can limit God's ability is what? Is your refusal to give God a chance. So you just got to give God a chance. I think that um, for me, when I first became a believer, what I thought was believing or what I thought was walking with Christ um, was so, I don't want to say immature, it was so such a new Christian at that time. It was, I go to church, I, I try to stop cussing, uh, I try to stop arguing with my kids, my wife. I mean, just a bunch of different things. I found out real quickly that's not what it is. It's allowing God to challenge you. It's allowing God to pull you out of your little square box. It's allowing God to work through you. It's allowing and trusting God to uh, direct your path in everything that you do. Um, for me, when I do that, things go good. When I don't, things don't go so good. And um, I know that the busyness of life, a lot of times I can actually go through the day, a long time during the day, and not even think about God, right? So um, one of the things I do for that is I have little notes everywhere. I even have timers in my phone just to remind me to bring me back to uh, what's important, right? When my wife and I always talk about um, how much longer we're going to be on earth, right? Both of us have lived longer than we're probably going to live, but let's say you live 80 or 90 years, maybe even if you live 100, 10,000 years from now, can you remember those 100 years, those 80 years, or whatever you got here on earth? I think it's important to remember that because if you can focus on what's coming after, it'll allow you to do more while you're here, to produce more fruit for God because you won't go around worrying about here. You're worrying about there. And you're worrying about here is just uh, making sure that um, you're following Christ, that you're allowing your self-imposed uh, limitations to, um, you're giving that over to Christ. And if you do that, I believe you'll have a, a much better time here. So let me uh, shift here. And I want to talk a little bit more about, is God limited? And in Luke, of course, 137, for God, for with God nothing will be impossible. And I believe as believers, we would all say that we would defend God, right? And we would defend that God is not limited, and he can accomplish anything. I asked Anne-Marie this the other day, and she, with no hesitation, she said, absolutely, there are no limits to what God can do. She had no problem defending God. You know what? I do, too, and I, she's right. 
right? She's right. What God, what God can do is anything he wants. But there are things that he doesn't do because he is perfect in all things and so has limited himself in certain things. God cannot lie, he cannot sin, and he will not, and this is important, he will not interfere with our free will. God will limit himself and he will stop himself from stopping us from doing harm to ourselves because of free will. He wants us to come to him freely and he will never override what we want, even if it's, even if it's against him. He will... Let us do what we want. So if you want what you want, even though God has said no to it, God will allow it. That's, that's part of our free will. And, you know, I believe we're it. We're the only beings that he did that because he didn't do that for anybody else. The angels just had the thought about it, and he did not forgive them. He allowed them to do it, but he immediately banished them. One good thing we have is forgiveness. But if you read Joshua twenty four fifteen, if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve. I like this, and do it today. It's your choice. I chose God. My family, we choose God. So more than that is what do we do when we're challenged by non-believers or skeptics who want to test this notion? And uh, I've been reading a lot about this lately because it actually made me laugh um, because of the things that non-believers will come after us and uh, want to test us. And uh, it says... Uh, how do we defend our Lord? Well, it says in Psalms 94, 16, who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Well, Anne-Marie will, and so will I, and I believe so most of us. I know Anne-Marie will because she's like that quick. It's very, it's very clear to me that we are supposed to be ready, right, and to defend God. And I believe, again, that means preparation that comes with prayer, fellowship, with studying and meditating on the Word. You have to have God's Word in, in your heart to be able to give account for Him. If you, get your, if you get the Word in here, you are ready to give account right now, not when, hey, I'll get back to you, or i got to go look it up. You, you, you don't win people over that way. But one of the things I did learn a long time ago, if I do not have an answer that I tell them I don't have an answer, and I will get back to them and then get back to them because I think a lot of times, um, especially new believers, will give an answer that's not accurate. Um, so you have to have God's Word in your heart. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, everything in Scripture is God's Word. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. Um, this is clearly saying that we as believers should be prepared to prepared, be, Prepare to take a stand for Christ. Proverbs 21, 31. Do your best, prepare for the worst, and then trust God to bring victory. So again, whether someone comes to Christ, doesn't come to Christ, that's not up to us. All we're supposed to do is share. God will work in everybody's heart. I've learned a long time ago that when I go out and someone gets saved, I used to go, hey, I did that. No, that wasn't me. That was God working in them. All I'm doing is delivering the message and hopefully being um, uh, being in the word enough to be able to give answers to those. So, again, let's go back. What do you say to non-believers who come up to you with a stupid challenge or a stupid question? Let me give you an example. And this example I'm giving is a great example of a dumb example of how non-believers will test you or skeptic. skeptics will uh, test you. And this didn't come from me. I read this. I liked it, so I'm going to share it. Here's the question that seems to be going around, and I've read it, that a lot of people keep asking, especially atheists. Can God create a stone so heavy he can't lift it? Let me say that again. Can God create a stone so heavy he can't lift it? Let me tell you something. It won't matter how you answer this, right? 
If you say yes or no, they're going to come back with a dumb response or another dumb question. They'll say something like this. Well, if God can't create such a stone or he can't lift what he's created, well, then he's not all-powerful, right? Well, I think the question I would ask myself this is, does this bonehead-deceiving paradox prove an all-powerful being cannot exist in the first place? So I'd come back with the answer is no. My God can do anything. So let, and, and I would go back to the question, right? Can the all-powerful Christian God create a stone so heavy he can't lift it? Well, they're asking a disjointed question, a dumb question. It doesn't make sense. It's the same as asking, can God create a square circle, right? Well, God can do anything. Can he create a square circle? Well, circles and squares are mutually exclusive just by their definition and by the way it was designed. As a result, that question is ridiculous. It makes no sense. And that's something you've got to focus on. God cannot create square circles for the same reason he cannot sin. He acts dependently in a manner consistent with his moral and logical nature. And, of course, we live in that universe that God created. And so we are, on, are, are the beneficiaries of God's dependable nature. So those who ask logical, incoherent questions of this kind are requiring God to violate his nature in order to demonstrate his lack of sovereignty over everyone and everything. Well, it's just bonehead. People are boneheads. My answer to them is that I have a guide. I have this guide. You guys don't. And I've, I've done this with my own siblings. They always, my sisters will come at me. My God. I'll go, well, who's your God? There's my God. Let's talk about what's in here. Your God is somebody you made up. And so um, I believe what it says in Job 36.22, God's power is unlimited. That's it. God's power is unlimited. With God's power, there is no limitations. There are nothing that will hold us back. We can be super, what do you want to call it, super, super God soldiers out there that are, that are doing what God wants us to do, and that is sharing and that is sharing with everybody that we come across it. And it doesn't matter where you are. So what are the takeaways from today? Well, when we put limitations on ourselves, we're allowing the enemy to convince us that we are limited, right? If we expect little, so will we receive little. God says, hey, I'll save you, and, and if that's what you want and that's it, great. You can go through life and you'll still be saved, but you're going to miss out on so much. When we rely on our own power instead of the power of God, self-imposed limitations will remain. You just can't get rid of them by yourself. We can't do anything ourselves, but through Christ we can do anything, right? The answer is Christ. The answer is always Christ. Well, in Romans, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to do life with him. That's it. God wants us to do life with him. If we're willing to do life with Christ, it's awesome. Everything about it's awesome. It's a great way to go. I know in my own life, the more that I um, follow Christ, the more that I study the Word, the more that I am in fellowship with Him, the more that I spend time with Him, the things that are bad in my life or the things that are sinful in my life, uh, a lot of things that I have struggled with in the past are gone away and are easy to keep away because of Him. I know last time I... I talked, I, I shared about having a, a challenges with pornography in the past. Only through God, only through God can we escape that. And I have mentored young men on that same thing, and really they want to make it difficult. It's really that simple. Give it over to Christ, and everything will be okay. All right, let me pray, and then uh, we're done. Appreciate your guys' time. Father, God, this morning we just ask that... Uh, 
we take your word, Lord, your living word, and uh, we take it and let it to work in us, Lord. Um, let us take it home with us. Let us use it during this week. Um, let's church spring up wherever we are this week. May this week be filled with your gift of your grace that you give us each day. Thank you for renewing that on a daily basis. Thank you for forgetting our sins, Lord. Um, thank you for allowing us to be in your family, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to do life with you. Let us not forget what we have heard here, but rather build on it. Um, Lord, give us love that it takes to build. Give us the heart that it takes to step out. And as we close this morning, Lord, we want to give all honor to you. May you bless each person here today and those that can't make it or away on holiday. Again, keep everybody safe. Please let your hand of protection be on all of us throughout the rest of the week. Lord, we trust you. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.